It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm John Aginter, joined this week by Garrick Hodge. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for filling in for Andy. Always available to pinch hit. Yes. Well, you know what? The pinch hitter is a very important uh, and necessary part of the baseball offense. And then funnily enough, we're going to basically spend... Is it, is it really, though? Like, I don't think anyone... I do. I think it's... Well, because... So the end no up... One, so we, no one in the offseason is going into, oh, man, how do we make the Reds better? You know what we need? <laughs> a damn pinch hitter. That's what we need. We well, need top pinch hitter available on the market. You okay. know what the top pinch hitter available is? A bench warmer. That's what it is. I got to tell you something, though. There's nothing that would immediately fix the Reds. There, there's a lot going on there. Well, yeah, and, they're a hapless franchise. Yes, they, 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 there are deeper issues, I think, that we could spend the entire podcast dissecting. By the way, real quick. So I, I'll be honest. From the fire sale, I know we're supposed to be talking about Salado. From the fire sale prior to the season, and then just their generally crappy performance throughout, I have not been at all invested in the Reds, and I feel guilty about that because I know, like Joey Votto, obviously not not the Joey Votto of old, clearly. But I feel like I should be putting in some time watching his twilight seasons, and I have not. I have not had any interest in watching the Reds, and I think that that goes to show, like if you put zero effort into fielding a team as a fan, I'll have zero effort in actually watching said team. Isn't Joey Votto like on the injured list and has been for like months. Like he's been like, he's been saying he's making it. He's, he's making a run for it next season though. You know what I'm saying? I I don't know how I know more about this and I'm not even a Reds fan. I'm not even paying it. Maybe maybe this fact that this conversation has already gone off the rails 15 seconds into the dub cast is why Andy hosts. And well, um, that's, that's exactly right. And that's why, (laughs) that's why this dub cast, that's why this week will probably, be spent mostly dissecting you know like goofy names or simpsons jokes or references to the civil war something like that um but let's let's try let's try garrick to talk a little bit about the toledo game which here's the deal when, when we do the staff predictions right we, we all collectively as a staff tell you know whoever the beat writers whoever's you know the weekend editor we, we say look guys this is what we think our individual predictions are going to be. And prior to the Toledo game, uh, the staff collectively was predicting blowouts, right? Maybe not individually. Like I think I got the closest last weekend because I didn't think it was going to be that big of a, you know, that big of a victory against Arkansas state, but it was still, you know, fairly significant. Um, But this weekend, I felt like some of those predictions were a little low and we were off by a pretty significant amount because I don't think, first of all, I don't think anybody can account for a team scoring, you know, 77 points. That's insane. But why do you think, Garrick, that we came into this thinking that maybe Ohio State wouldn't be as dominant on offense as they ended up being? Well, I can't speak for the rest of the 11 dub staff. I can only speak for myself. But me personally, I picked a score of 45-13, if I remember correctly, because Toledo was a top 40 defense a year ago, um, had an impressive showing their first two games, albeit against very Cinderella school of the blind. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know, just call me a sucker. I thought that, uh, and especially Ohio State coming off of what I think is a similar quality opponent in Arkansas State. I was like, yeah, the score will probably be around that. That makes about the most sense to me. I didn't expect – and I know this is a family show and all, but I'm going to say it, a total ass-kicking that occurred on Saturday with 77 total points and the second most 
total offensive yardage Ohio State has ever produced in a single game. Couldn't yeah, say that, that was quite coming. That in of itself, I think, was pretty remarkable, not just because you had, you know, like you said, a, a decent Toledo offense, maybe not the greatest in the world. And a lot of times I think some of those stats can be misleading because you really have to take into account common opponents and things like that. But regardless, not not Arkansas State, right? You know, not not Hawaii as as another Big Ten opponent um, has gotten to play and, and you know, dominated. Oh, um, yeah, we'll get to them in a little bit. But I was surprised. I mean, I expected them to, to play fairly well to score north of 50 points, but the 77 points that they put up was surprising to me in part because I thought maybe that's Ohio State, that they weren't going to be capable of that. Not, not that they weren't a great offense or things like that, but I didn't see the kind of explosiveness that you kind of came to expect. And I don't know, man, I, I watch a guy like CJ Stroud and I, I see him go out there, complete virtually every single pass and, and make these like insane throws that no other quarterback in college football should really even attempt and then make them. And I remember one specific one. Um, I think it might've been the pass to Kate Stover on the, on the sideline. I'm, I'm not sure exactly which one, but like it was right over a defensive backs hands and you know tim brando just awful at his job but tim brando was saying oh terrible throw dangerous throw can't believe he did that you know he got lucky it wasn't picked there was no way that pass could have been picked off it was perfectly placed that guy unless the defensive back was seven feet tall and could have jumped you know another 12 he wasn't going to be able to easily you know contest that he, CJ Stroud put that in the perfect spot to where it needed to be. And you saw that pass after pass after pass and his ability just to be so unbelievably accurate uh, and, you know, in scramble situations when he's rolling out, it blows my mind, dude. I don't think I've seen that from a quarterback, um, at least wearing an Ohio State uniform, even, you know, even including Justin Fields in a long time. Like I had somebody actually ask me, they texted me this and I'm curious what your take on this is um, at their, at, at this point in their Ohio state careers, who do you think is playing better? Justin Fields or CJ Stroud? Oh boy. Um, I feel like I should, I should like absolve myself from answering this because I'm a little biased because I'm a Chicago bear fan. <laughs> so, sure. Um, you know, I, I am tempted to say also my condolences. Oh, don't bring that up. But <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm tempted to say fields, but I, I think it's a legitimate question and you can make an argument for either one. And right. that's basically me taking the coward's way out of saying I don't want to say Justin Fields because then I'll look like a total Bears homer, which, right. you know, but um, but no, I, I think CJ Stroud is a legitimate Heisman candidate. Um, you know, hasn't committed a turnover through three games, looks as crisp as ever. Um, while he had a tremendous year last year, a lot of people forget that those first two games, like some Ohio State fans legitimately wanted him bench for Kyle McCord. Granted, it was it was wild that that was actually a theory that was out there, but yeah. they truly wanted him benched uh, because of, you know, a few missed throws here or there. And this year, he's not doing any of that. He's you know, like you said, on the money and throwing passes that are uninterceptable. I just made up a new word there, but, nice. um, yeah. um, you know, I, I can't speak to, uh, the commentators because I don't hear any of it because I'm on the field during the games. That's good. Um, so I, I never know what any of the 
commenters are saying, saying unless you know it's brought up in the company slack. But I can tell you that if Ohio State continues to score a touchdown on every drive on offense, um, pretty much like it did against Toledo, certainly in the first half and for most of the second half, I don't think they're going to have any problems the rest of the year. That that I think was probably was most mind blowing to me. And it's not just that they were getting the ball at midfield or that Toledo was, you know, just fumbling it away and they were getting easy scores. I mean, this was drive after drive after drive of just dominance and third down conversions, all that stuff. It 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 really was probably the most complete offensive performance that I've seen out of Ohio State in a really, really, really long time. Um, and again, it's it's tempting to maybe get a little too excited about something like this because it is such a rarity to see that many points scored and that many yards gained um but you know to me it doesn't matter who they're playing right like that is that is an achievement in of itself um you know if you're playing big boy division one college football fbs college football that that to me is like there are things that separate very good teams from you know excellent cream of the crop teams and the ability to score that many points um, even against, you know, an in-state opponent, a max school, whatever that to me is the difference. There are teams that can do that. And there are teams that are just simply not able to do that. And when you score a touchdown on every single drive of the game that you get, except for one, that to me is just absolutely unbelievable. I want to talk real quick, actually about some of these individual performances because you have a blowout, you see some people that you don't normally see, you get to see some fun things that you may not otherwise, uh, wide receivers, they did their thing. I mean, not a big shock there. Kate Stover getting some action, getting some play design. Do you, do you think that would continue for the rest of the year? Cause I almost feel like they have to, at this point, the guy can catch some footballs. Oh, wow. I, it looks looks that way. Certainly, um, he's is this certainly... finally it? Do do we actually proclaim Ohio State a team that will throw to a tight end intentionally? Well, slow the hell down. All right, but, <laughs> but, calm down, calm down. <laughs> yeah, let's let's see it for a few more games first. But right, and, and, and by the it. way, I would also say that maybe some of this is a result of uh, trying to make Wisconsin think a little bit uh, for next week, but. But regardless, right? Like, I mean, he Kate Stover looks legit out there. He looks like a guy who can really contribute to the offense. Yeah, no, no doubt. He's he's a big playmaker. Um, you know, got that big body. Every photo I take of him, he's carrying like three guys before he's finally brought down. Um, and he's really worked at it. You know, this is a guy that um, didn't know what position he was going to be for this year in the spring. He was working out at linebacker before switching back to tight end. Right. Um, you know, started at linebacker in the Rose Bowl, both because Ohio State needed it and he was going to get more run there than he was at tight end. And he played fairly well at linebacker for being real um, in that uh, short stint. But um, if you would have told me that Cade Stover is going to emerge as a legit weapon in the vertical passing game, you know, maybe two months ago, I would have said you're nuts. But he's legitimately done that, especially on, you know, those routes down the scene that Ohio State loves to throw to the tight ends and the plays that they use for him. And he just looks like a natural out there. And, you know, it's just has really been a pleasure to watch him emerge as a true vertical threat in Ohio State's passing game on an offense that has no shortage of vertical threats. So it's it's honestly pretty surprising to see Cade flip the switch like this, because I don't know if he would have been giving the getting those calls last year if, you know, heaven forbid an injury to Jeremy record happened or anything like that. Right. And you know, the personnel of Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
But okay, well, that's the other thing, though, because I was going to say the same thing even this year, though, right? I mean, look at the wide receiver room, look at all the options that CJ Stroud has to throw to. And even in this game, right? You got a Mecca, you got, I mean, Jaden Ballard coming out with a what, 72 yard pass, uh, getting a touchdown. Marvin Harrison, I mean, holy crap, like what he was able to do. Um, just <laughs> in every catch, really, just, just making insane, impossible things look pedestrian. Um, and then you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba who like didn't have a great game, but is still there is still probably one of the best wide receivers in the entire country. Julian Fleming came back, had some good, I mean, had a couple touchdowns. Um, it, it's wild that you have that much receiver talent, but then we're talking about the tight end because I think that's what people want. They, they want that complete offense and they want an offense that's just incapable of being stopped and when you know they were talking about it in the post game um you know toledo coaches were just like befuddled you know what i mean like they were like we, we have no i mean what do what do you do about that right like how do you respond to uh to a team that has that much talent and the other thing is is that you know when you bring in the running backs right like chop was going just ham on dudes just running over guys you bring in Dallin Hayden he was 110 yards nobody knows who the hell Dallin Hayden is <laughs> like casual well, hey 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 I cover recruiting so I've known no, you do but I'm saying the people at home who are watching this are going like who the hell is TC Caffey who is Dallin Hayden yeah like, I would like, venture to guess that 85 percent of Ohio State fans probably didn't know who TC Caffey was before he I would night. say that's a low guess I would bet uh, I would bet almost everyone who is not. So what? What he? What school is TC Caffey from? What school? Like high school? Yeah, high school. You tell me, Johnny. You're the expert. Well, <laughs> I'm not the expert. Uh, but the thing is, like TC Caffey, uh, who I am looking up right now. I want to make sure I get this correct. Yeah. So he's from Hubbard, Ohio. Okay. He's from, from old Hubbard, Ohio, old mother Hubbard, Ohio. Okay. People aren't going to like go out there and say like, yes, TC Caffey, that's the dude who I'm looking to see who's going to go out and, you know, ball out and everybody's going to be excited for him and whatnot. Hubbard, Ohio is in Southeastern Trumbull County. It's from the, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> this is according hey, to our former Trumbull County player of the year in Ohio first team honors in division three. All right. There you go. And it's, it's right there, uh, North Youngstown, right on the border, uh, with, uh, with Pennsylvania. Um, a lot of people who aren't from that area who are from in Ohio, you know, they're like, Oh, I pay attention to all this stuff. They're not going to know who that dude is, but then they watch him run over five guys and through tackles and get a crazy touchdown. And you're like, this guy can play a little bit. And that's what I'm talking about. Like there are guys from, places in Ohio from remote areas you haven't heard of who are on the team who have enormous amounts of potential and talent. And that's what I love about blowout games like this, because you get to see that. And, and that's just, to me, it's, it's fun. It's heartwarming. It's cool. You hope that they can continue to make an impact. A guy like Mitch Rossi, for example, who gets in, has one carry, right? Gets that goal line, carry to get score a touchdown i want to see more of that i mean the dude's a great blocker but i i like it when guys can show up on the stat sheet and in, in games like this that's what's entertaining about it to me um to find out more about a team that you wouldn't normally get to check out because maybe they're going to play it safe or conservative or something like that you don't do that in a game like this you get to see more stuff and so i really enjoyed that a lot it was a lot of fun for me 
And uh, I think even more so than a game like maybe the Arkansas State game where it's like, okay, you got to play a little more conservative, a little closer to the vest. Uh, this was fun. I had a lot of fun watching this game. Um, by the way, real quick, I, I want to give you a shout out. So taking, taking the amazing pictures, right, as you do. Um, a lot of people overlook this. And I, you know, what we do is in the post-game stuff when we're writing all of our, you know, Sunday morning content and things like that. We're looking for pictures from the uh, from the game, and I am very happy that I was able to find the one there of uh, Marvin Harrison streaking down the sideline, because I think you captured probably what I would say is emblematic of of everyone's kind of reaction to watching this game, where there's this woman in the background on the sideline who is like holding her head essentially and screaming like i can't believe all of this is happening in front of me it is a beautiful shot did you did you know did you see her in the background when you captured that um initially upon taking the shot no okay. but i i probably don't know what i have 85 percent of the time until i uh go back and look at it i'm kind of like uh i mean i i've never related more with ryan day than i do uh playing photog because like ryan day always drops like the line well i gotta go back and watch the film to know for sure right and now i always am feeling like i need to say well i need to go back and you know read the sd card and look at the photo to know for sure what i've got well but, you got some sick photos dude and i like that's honestly one of my favorite parts of anything that we do uh you know during the you know during the game time and, and during the week is the going back and kind of reviewing some of the stuff because you get some amazing shots and that was hilarious that was absolutely fantastic i love that oh thanks johnny no problem and so we recommend that you go ahead and check out all the great stuff on 11warriors.com it's pretty fun it's pretty good i want to talk maybe more on a national level here so Ohio State comes out. They have this enormous blowout. Um, they beat the in-state rival. Everybody's happy about that. Yay, that's great. Um, in terms of the national scene, all right, so Ohio State stayed at number three, right, in both the coaches' poll and the uh, AP poll. Um, do you think that's appropriate for where they're at, given what you've seen from the other teams? I mean, Georgia looks like a monster. Alabama, however, I would say maybe looks a little beatable. And Michigan's right there, a number four, which some people may or may not agree with. So I don't know. How do you feel about Ohio State's spot right now relative to the rest of the country? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say something that's like sacrilegious because okay. I, you know, I, I work in sports media. And sure. Polls are a very generating revenue article <laughs> website that draws a lot of eyeballs and there's uh-huh. up fan discussion and gets a lot of writers attacked on Twitter for their votes. <laughs> um, but I don't think it really matters a whole lot right now because yeah. who cares whether they're ranked first or fourth, just win all your games, go undefeated. You'll get to where you want to go. Right. Um, I sound like a, old 65 year old high school coach that's grumbling about get off my lawn and all your <laughs> rankings and your social no no 65 year old high school day. coach would be very upset that ohio state didn't get more than one first place vote they'd be like no this is bs you've got to be I'm, honest I'm, in your I'm, I'm sure but um if if i take off my old man glasses and look at it objectively um i mean i think it's hard to put anyone higher than georgia at the moment um, yeah. i think you can make a very compelling argument that ohio state should be considered second over Alabama, who, you know, looked very beatable against Texas. But on the flip side, um, you know, Texas 
actually, this only strengthens the argument that Ohio State should be over Alabama. And then the next week, Texas turns around and almost loses to University of Texas San Antonio. Uh-huh. So, um, I don't know what that says a whole lot about Alabama, but you know, the Dane for Ohio State is well, they beat Notre Dame by 11 points, and Notre Dame uh, does not look uh, very yeah, Texas is actually a, a more quality win than Notre Dame, which is very funny at this point. Um, Texas back, I guess. Nope, nope, not at all. No, yeah, it's it's weird. Like the thing is, I from what I've seen, and I, I feel like I've watched a decent amount of these games. I, yeah, Georgia is clearly the team to beat, and and really, I agree with you at this point, and really at almost any point in the season, you're kind of splitting hairs between the top five teams, and that's part of why I think it's such a good thing that we've expanded the playoff because really you shouldn't be having these conversations about who's better among the top five teams. You should be saying that among like team 11, 12, 13, that's, that's a different conversation. I think a little, you know, more substantial one to have. Um, no, no, you're right. You're right. Before you keep going further, I, yeah. I think that the college football playoff rankings are very meaningful because right. those are coming from people whose decisions actually matter. Right. I think those rankings are absolutely worth, you know, well, maybe not quite having a riot in the street, but <laughs> having a very quiet, uh, silent riot uh, over the interwebs, over uh, right. uh message board sometimes. No, uh, but I but I but the thing is, is that it does matter, at least in the context of perception, which is honestly how I think a lot of these guys and especially the college football playoff committee that's what they base a lot of their decisions on because I know they say that they're watching all of this, but like there's a lot of, in my opinion, there's a lot of inertia that comes with this. And, and frankly, if I had my druthers, we wouldn't have polls until October anyway. Um, and again, as you said, that's not going to happen, but I think that if you're actually trying to evaluate these teams, honestly, you need more than nothing, right. To base some of the stuff on. And if you give, for example, USC, the benefit of the doubt at the beginning of the season and maybe they have a super easy you know conference schedule they overall strength of schedule is really bad or let's say even michigan this year which has an awful strength of schedule well they may not get quote-unquote exposed until the very end of the season but by that time they've built up so much cachet that who knows really how good that team is so i i really do feel that like some of it is is just so hard to determine anyway um i will say in terms of like overall strength of conferences, that's one of the things that kind of fascinates me because you saw Penn state go out and just annihilate Auburn. I mean, that, that game was not as close as even the score indicated. They, they really went in there and just asserted their will the entire game. Like they they had nothing to worry about in that game. They controlled it from the kickoff. Um, but then you look at the rest of the top 25 and you're like, okay, Michigan state, <laughs> that's, that's the other big 10 team, right? Like that's the representative, right? Like that's, that's, you know, their head coach saying that he's terrible and doesn't know what he's doing. Um, Don't forget uh, Purdue losing to Syracuse and Northwestern losing to something called Southern Illinois. Right. Which apparently exists and is not a thing that, you know, you just made up. Um, oh, it's a real directional school. I promise. That's right. So that's what I'm saying. So it's the, the relative perception of these conferences is what's kind of fascinating to me. And yeah, again, am I saying that the Big Ten is underrated or something? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm also saying that because you are missing out or you're you're leaving out, you know, a lot of these other teams that you're like, okay, well, they're not good enough to be representative here. Like Indiana, for example, right? Like that's that could be a quality team. I don't know. Um, 
you don't you know like probably not yeah but that's what i'm saying like you don't know and in lieu of having them ranked you're going to put in a bunch of sec teams that also may not really be deserving of being ranked and so that perception at the end of the season kind of colors how you know like the playoff committee and other people are going to eventually think of these teams when it comes to the big ranking now all of this is moot for the top like four or five teams i don't think that matters if you're ohio state or michigan but in an expanded college football playoff i think that does matter because then you're kind of looking at you know what is the overall perception of strength schedule conferences things like that you know does a sunbelt champion deserve to get in over the third ranked big 10 team right like that those are interesting discussions and i think that'll be make all of this a little more relevant um, as we expand it it would be pretty interesting if you could give like the college football playoff committee, like truth serum and like ask them <laughs> how much stock they put into like the actual AP rankings for like right. most of the yeah, year exactly. while they put it into there. Exactly. I don't think they put in a whole lot if I'm being completely honest. You don't think so? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I mean, I don't, I think they, I think use they it do. As a I think they use it as a reference. I don't think yeah. that they, you know, but like anything else, I think they use it as one of many references. Right. I don't think they use it as like the bro Bible or whatever. Um, I would be really interested. That that is a really fascinating question because I honestly want to know how much stock do they put into how other people are ranking these these teams because it does it matters to the extent like, that I, I, I want to clarify. Like, I don't hate the AP top twenty five. I think it's fun and I think it's fascinating every week. I just also right. don't think it matters a whole lot when you're like squabbling over should this team be ranked fourth or should they be ranked seventh um, Mm -hmm. three games into the season. Now, if you have more of like a body of work, like nine games in, 10 games in, then yeah, squabbling makes a little bit more sense. But um, again, I just, again, maybe I'm the one off base and uh, some truth serum will come out and a college football playoff committee member will take it and reveal that they actually Based 70% of their <laughs> rankings off of the AP. It's all top. based on RJ Young's ranking every week. They uh, just go on Twitter and they go, all right, who can we get mad at? Who who is who is Ohio State fans mad at the most this week that we can that we can then uh just screw them over and, and make them upset? That's how we go for it. Um, so okay, so let's do this. We're gonna give our predictions for the game against Wisconsin here. Um at the end of the show, but I want to, I want to talk about Wisconsin a little bit. And, you know, this is a team when you think of Wisconsin, right? Like what's the first thing that pops into your head? You're like, all right, running game, offensive line. Like it's, it's all of the, the kind of standard Wisconsin stuff. They have a coach obviously that leans into that. I also think, however, that Wisconsin is a team that might give Ohio state a little bit I don't want to say fits or anything like that, but maybe more of a game than, than, you know, fans who just watched Ohio state running up 77 points might, might give a little more trouble than maybe people expect. Is that crazy? Or would I say that maybe a, a night game in the shoe is a, a little tighter than maybe people might think? Well, I think that uh, you're, you were singing my song. Uh, you know, we did our staff preseason picks for, if you remember ranking, teams one through 12 um, that have, you know, the biggest threat level to Ohio state this season, one being, this is the hardest team that Ohio state is going to face this year and 12 being, they're going to roll these guys. You remember, you remember that exercise? I do. Yes. Yes. Where, where did you put the Badgers on yours? Oh, geez. Uh, at the time, pretty low. I, I was not, I, they, they did not seem that threatening to me, but now I, I don't know. Maybe I've got to reevaluate what I'm thinking. Well, at the time I put them number 
Uno, number one. I okay. And actually, I, I seem to remember that you were a little you were a little unusual in that. I was the only one of the staff that um, did not like the Wisconsin matchup. I didn't think they were going to lose it because I firmly thought that Ohio State was going 12-0 and and winning a national championship right. if you read our preseason predictions. But um, I hated it the most strictly because Wisconsin had everything on paper besides the quarterback. Um, their defense is rock solid. They have one of the better running backs in the conference. And I, you know, I think their coach is very disciplined and they yeah, don't. Paul Chris, I mean, the guy's, he's a good coach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he, I mean, he, you know, he's not going to wow anyone with the sound bite. He's generally going to put you to sleep there, but you know, sure. that's usually what you want out of a head coach when the other way <laughs> that can go, you don't want that, but um, you know, Graham Mertz is probably not going to throw for 300 yards. So, uh, you know, sometimes he even struggles to get a half of that. Um, yeah. A little ton in cheek, but. Or, or complete half of his passes. Yes. But on paper, you know, they, I was like, Ugh. like, I just envisioned like Wisconsin just putting together these like grueling, mauling 14 play drives that took like nine minutes of clock off. And right ended them with a fullback touchdown the Wisconsin way and um, you know like a complete like taffy pole and especially because <laughs> I hadn't seen Jim Knowles culture game yet at Ohio State and I still was well you know are they soft are they not if right. they are soft this is the game where it's going to get exposed right having said that three games in Wisconsin is down I believe two defensive backs mm-hmm which is very bad. Yeah, <laughs> when, not not a good place to be when you play Ohio State. No, when you're playing Ohio State, very bad, especially because their uh, their backups aren't uh, five stars like it would be at Alabama. Correct. But, um, very very bad spot to be in, and I think I may have overrated the Badgers a little bit because if you lose to Washington State at home, well, I know Washington State's a sleeper in some Pac-12 circles, but I still can't help you. That's that's what's really weird about it to me is that you've got Washington State, the Washington State game where they lose a game, you know, that Wisconsin usually wins. Right. Like they that's the that's their that's their wheelhouse. Those grinded out low scoring games. That's what they want. That's their bread and butter. That's, that's their bread that's, and butter that's at home. And they lose a three point. Yeah, they only put up 14 points. But this is sandwiched in between, you know, sleepwalking through an Illinois State you know, game where they win, you know, 38 to nothing and then blowing out New Mexico state. Um, well, New, Mexico state New Mexico state may very well be the worst team in all of FBS. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty terrible. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's, it's interesting too, because there's a lot of like contenders for that crown, but they're yeah, there's probably well a legit them. five that could make a compelling argument. Right. Yeah. Now. Um, but it's, I, I agree. It's really fascinating. The only and Michigan thing has played like three of them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We will. Yeah. Um, so the only thing that I would say that slightly concerns me, and I'm, I'm, this is another thing where I'm curious about your input on this, because I feel like my perspective is more, you know, guys, more of a fan. I'm not as intelligent and as well learned on some of these things. Uh, there's been a lot of people getting dinged up on Ohio States, you know, especially their defense, and then maybe some proclivities to, Uh, allowing large plays occasionally stuff like that i mean you're not i mean again (laughs) their quarterback wisconsin quarterback will not be doing the same kind of things that you saw uh toledo's quarterback doing right like like the is not 
going to come out there for Wisconsin and, and run around and, you know, you know, have a 70 yard rush or something like that. Um, but I don't know. Does that worry you at all that, that Ohio State's a little dinged up somewhat and that they're going to have to play a physical game? Um, I mean, maybe a little. Um, obviously, you'd rather have it the other way around, stating the captain obvious fact there. But, right. Um, I think if they're healthy, they should be fine. I'm not entirely convinced that JSN and uh, Julian Fleming are entirely healthy. Um, yeah. But I'll certainly think that they'll, you know, give their best effort for sure. Um, and um, as great as they are, Ohio State has shown that they can move the ball, even if those guys aren't completely 100% these first three weeks. So, right. Um, and I would have been a lot more concerned. But on the flip side, Wisconsin, as we mentioned, is also very banged up on the defense. They are the ball and i think that their ability to slow down ohio state is a lot more difficult than i initially thought when i ranked them as the toughest team on paper for ohio state to play if i had to go back now i'd probably say that i'd move penn state into number one just based off how uh, the first three weeks have gone for them but yeah and i actually think I mean, you may see it's a game that's very similar in some ways to the Notre Dame game, actually, um, because you're going to see two teams. That's probably, that's probably a good comparison. Yeah, because I think I think Paul Chris is going to do probably they're going to try. They're going to attempt to do the exact same thing that Marcus Freeman did, which is to shorten this game as much as humanly possible and just deny Ohio State as many drives as they can. Uh, cause if you got a team that's batting almost a thousand, right. For touchdowns in the previous week, you, you want to, you want to maybe knock them off their, uh, their, their momentum a little bit. You want to slow them down somewhat. Um, so I, I, I think that's something that they will attempt to do, whether they're successful in that will be, that's really the thing. I mean, how can Ohio state stop the running game? Will they be able to, um, you know, do what they're traditionally have done. And, and actually, this is one of my favorite stats. If you go back and look and see how Ohio State has performed against Wisconsin running backs, a team that they've beaten every time since I think 2010 was the last time they lost Wisconsin. One of the key themes in all of those games that they have played uh, has been their ability to really just put a lockdown on uh, a Badger running back. And um, if they're able to do that on Saturday, I think they, I think they'll be sitting pretty. I don't think they'll have to worry too much about, you know, a late game heroic thing or, you know, is the fourth quarter going to have to be a 21 point fourth quarter for Ohio state to win? I, I don't think you'll be seeing any of that. Um, so we'll get back to our predictions here in a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, we want to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com dry goods. 11 warriors.com shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. I recommend it. It's great. All right, so now it's time for our favorite part of every week, which, of course, is Ask Us Anything. And as a reminder, you can ask us literally anything by sending us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And and when I say everything, I mean, I really want you to understand it's literally anything. Um, So let's go ahead and get started here. This is from Kevin, who says, with cupcakes on the schedule, which backups are you most looking forward to see play for the football book guys and why? By the way, really prescient uh, question. This was sent five days ago, and I think we got some interesting answers on Saturday. But is there anyone else? I mean, maybe people you would like to continue to see, Gary? Well, I mean, (laughs) the time to answer this question was last week. Right. Um, but hey, I mean, Caden Curry looks really good. Yeah, yeah, like legit. 
And and there's a that was the thing though because when you were looking at some of the dudes, I mean, everybody's gonna be getting uh you know like looks on offense and stuff in a in a blowout game like that. But I also gotta say there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff out there on defense as well that maybe was a little overlooked. I know that a lot of people uh, were out there looking at uh, like. I don't know, people that you wouldn't normally see, you know, out there all the time, but like Sonny Styles, for example, was getting a lot of run on social media, right? Like people were really hyped about that guy, about that guy and his abilities and, and what he might be able to bring um to the to the defense. So yeah, I would agree. Defensively, there's definitely some guys you can look at. <laughs> Just on the basis of that single rush alone, I want to see more of TC Caffey. Uh Dallin Hayden. I mean, shoot, dude ran for over a hundred yards. That's I believe that is the a first for this young season uh, for an Ohio State running back. Is that am, am I crazy in that? I think he was the first guy to do that this season, right? Off the top of my head, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah I, yeah, I think it was the first dude to go north of 100 yards. So I want to see maybe a little bit more of him. I mean, depending on uh, Draven Henderson's status for the next game, we don't know how dinged up he is, but you know, hopefully he'll he'll be back in action and. Um, you know, if Chop gets out there, who had again a great game, I mean, I think it was it was not so long ago that he would be considered an answer to that question. Um, so I, that's what I really, again, that's what I really love about it. You see these guys that you just don't normally see in a you know a, a marquee quote unquote a marquee game, um, and I, I love that. I love seeing all that. So this is a really interesting question. This is from our good friend Alvin, and again, in light of this past weekend, because there was a lot of Ohio State NFL action. Um, which Ohio State player in the NFL are you most excited to be uh, following this year? Oh, well, that's easy. Aside from, aside from the personal rooting interest, you can't say Justin Field. Uh, <laughs> well, the, 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 my backup answer is also personal rooting interest. I'll say Chris Olave because he's All on right, my fair enough. Yes. Because he's on my fantasy football team. There you, okay. There you go. Um, Alave's Alave's a good choice. Uh, I really got to say after the results, because again, there's so many Ohio state players in the NFL. That's the only, that's, that's one of the things that always kind of, uh, like surprises me because I don't really follow the NFL beyond the Bengals that closely. And I, I know of obviously the, you know, the, the Bengals who played for Ohio state and whatnot. Uh, but I, I tend to forget just how many, former Ohio state players are in the league. And I guess that was kind of emphasized when I'm watching like Noah Brown tear up the Bengals, you know, on, on the Cowboys, which I'm like, how's that a thing? Um, but I got to say in general, I mean, you got to look at the wide receivers, Garrett Wilson going out there and doing some crazy things. That's a dude who I think I'll probably follow really closely throughout the season. Terry McLaurin is a guy who <laughs> all of his success in the NFL just continually rubs it in the face of everybody including people at 11 warriors occasionally who doubted that guy um i love watching him have success in the nfl and i i hope it's continued because he is really first of all just an amazing human being um but a really great football player and i'm he's another guy that i follow really closely uh, on the commanders i i'm really excited to watch him play uh, there's a lot of really good options for this. Um, but yeah, I would have to say that the wideouts just seeing what they're able to do and how they can impact the game. <laughs> that's, that's definitely something that I pay attention to um, in, a, in a more than casual way on a week to week basis, I think. Um, all right. So this last one here, this is from Joshua F. 
What is one vice grocery item that you always need to resist getting and sometimes cave and get anyway when you go grocery shopping? Oh boy. Um, or are you a clean eater and you just, you're, you know, it's all cucumbers and carrots all the no, way. No, no, I'm yeah. certainly not. I should be, but I'm not. Um, I, I, I get made fun of a lot um, <laughs> on the beat because I've been notoriously known to devour a good sitting of mac and cheese whenever the opportunity. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> and uh, you have so, a specific brand, do you, or is it just like craft all the way? And you're like, you know, what? well, I mean, I classics. guess if we're talking grocery stores, I like Belvita personally, but okay, um, good choice. But if we're talking like gourmet mac, like anything's good. Um, like I, man, now now we've gone off the rabbit hole, but. Um, I guess that's what happens on when you ask us literally anything, right? Exactly. But, that's the point. That that's why we call it that. So la- last week when we get done, you know, covering the Toledo game, well, I shouldn't say done covering it because we're still writing it up in Ohio State's press box. But um, you know, Ohio State Sports Information Director makes an announcement: Hey guys, we have an abundance of leftover food, primarily <laughs> macaroni and cheese. And Dan Hope, our eleven Warriors connoisseur. <laughs> lead extraordinaire turns to me and goes Garrick (laughs) because like at the Rose Bowl I devoured just an entire plate of mac and cheese because I was just absolutely starving and the rest of the beat was just in awe of my capability (laughs) putting down that much starch I guess but that's pretty great and so now I you know when when I die someday I won't be known as you know a a loving friend or a, a good writer well I may have to eat an entire pan of macaroni. I'll just be like, nobody put down a plate of mac and cheese like Hodge. That's fantastic. So I guess that would be my biggest advice is, uh, yeah, sometimes I try to lay off the noodles more than I did back in my twenties, but all right, fair enough. You know what? So here's the deal. I, I am a pretty clean eater in general. And, and part of that is just because like, I can't eat the way I used to. I mean, I used to eat, just massive quantities of everything. And I, you know, I was active guy. I worked out and I'm still a pretty active dude, but like I'm, I'm old, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting there and I've got a kid. So I'm up at night a lot. And there's just a lot of stuff where I'm like, I can't, I can't consume the way I used to. So I have to kind of watch what I do. And the problem is that I really, I'm, I'm really good. 99.9% of the time. I really am. But there is one specific item that is like a seasonal thing that just I, I have to will myself not to indulge in. And it's it's a candy and I'm not a big candy eater, but I, I can't stop myself with jelly beans. And so around Easter or Halloween, right, when those are out there, I won't buy them for myself, but people will occasionally buy them for me. And I, in the past, I would get my grandma, I remember years ago, she would get me these giant, like the, the really generic ones, like the, the, the giant jelly. You don't partake in those like Harry Potter, like every flavor. No, no, no. Those are gross. No, screw that. No, I'm going to eat jelly beans. I flavors like vomit and like, yeah, no, grass. Yeah. I'm not, I I had to eat like three of those because I lost a bet on a podcast at a previous employer and like they recorded it like live stream and like my face will forever be a meme if someone can find it. one. Those are truly disgusting. No, I I have no desire to eat those. However, if you give me just the generic like Brock's or whatever, the, the big ones, I will make an entire meal out of those. I will eat a pound and a half to two pounds of those in one sitting because I can't stop myself. 
I'm like, these are too good. And I can consume them so quickly that my body doesn't realize that I've had, you know, like an entire brick of, of jelly beans in the past five minutes. So I have to, I have to like stop myself from doing that because I genuinely, it's like my favorite candy and I'll just inhale them. Uh, so I have to be very careful about that because if, if I'm allowed to, I will make it into an entire actual meal and consume thousands of calories of jelly beans in a single setting, everything else I'm great with. I love the, I love the vegetables. I love the carrots. I love the celery. I love the broccoli, all that great stuff. And I'm good at that. Uh, but the, the damn jelly beans, man, they get me every single time. So I have to be very careful about that. That is a great question. They're all great questions. I really appreciate you sending those in. And we did, I did promise a longer one. We'll have to, Andy had some input on that. So we'll have to hold that until uh, we get back. We do have that one still in the can. So don't worry, we'll get to it. Uh, but continue sending us those questions to ask us anything. Dubcast at 11warriors.com. Let's wrap it out or wrap it up. Get it out on this. Michigan is a topic of conversation every week. They just came off another destruction of another very bad team. This has kind of been their MO and will continue to be their MO for most of the season. They're right now their strength of schedule is 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 bad. I mean, they're they're playing some bad teams, right? They played, I think, you know, we talked about arguably the worst team in the country, Hawaii, really, really bad. Come out, play UConn one of the worst offenses you will see all season. Um, if you watch any other games or just have no idea what they're doing. Um, right now they're ranked fourth in the country. Is that legit? I mean, if you've even casually just watched Michigan, I think they're still a pretty cohesive, competent team. They, they, I have them ranked as high on that threat meter because I truly believe that this is a pretty decent team with JJ uh, McCarthy. He gives them an element that Cade McNamara did not. At quarterback that guy can run the ball he's mobile he's got a live arm um i think they're a dangerous team this season and i i know people are always like oh september michigan blah blah, blah. I, I i don't know man i i really think that yes they have some deficiencies particularly on offensive line and maybe in their uh, dbs but like this is a pretty good team still i think their offense is very solid and will put up video game numbers for the majority of the year I'm not entirely sold with the defense, just with how much they lost and how inexperienced, you know, the defensive back yeah. kind of is right now. But I their think defensive this, line this, is what interests me, though, man, because they came out, they had seven. I was like, okay, they, they lose all of this, you know, big name talent. Well, yeah, the job was gone. They lose these guys on defensive line. They come out, they have seven sacks against Colorado State in their first game. And then the last two games against UConn and Hawaii, they've they've gotten one. Like that that's interesting to me. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's like they're definitely unproven, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, again, they're arguably playing three of the worst teams in all of FBS. So right. it's kind of hard to put too much stock into that. Um, obviously, I mean they're crushing them and obliterating them, which you'd expect a top four team to do to the arguably worst crop of opponents that any not team is going to face in the non-conference schedule. Right. right? But I mean, they're doing exactly what they're right. 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 So you, I mean, you can fault them for who the schedule says they play because, you know, they make the schedule these years out, but, um, but in the context of you play who's on the schedule, you know, they're taking care of business and they're obliterating them. It's simple as that. Now I do think this Maryland opener is going to be pretty interesting. I agree. 
I don't think that Maryland's any real threat to beat Michigan, but I think that Maryland has anywhere from like two to three NFL wide receivers on their roster. And a so, quarterback who can, who can definitely yeah, baby get Tua. it to him. I'm, I'm, I'm dubbing him baby Tua. But, <laughs> um, so, Which is, I mean, I mean, he literally was that at one point, um, but like, that's, I, I agree with you, man. Like he has some legit talent and that's going to be, especially you're talking about their defensive secondary. That is going to be a really, really interesting test. For well, I think team. that Maryland's very capable of scoring against Michigan, but I think that Maryland's defense will get absolutely gashed against yeah. McCarthy and the rest of Michigan's high powered offensive attack. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Maryland puts up say 28, 35 points against Michigan. Problem is they're going to give up 56 more than likely, but right. um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. If you see your first signs of, Oh, we don't have Aiden Hutchinson anymore. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing to me about this team that I, I find really interesting. And, you know, in past seasons, I really did not enjoy writing threat level sometimes because Michigan teams were good in the exact same ways and they were bad in the exact same ways for a lot of years under Harbaugh. I would say probably for the first five years, they were just the same team pretty much like you would have very mediocre quarterback play. They leaned hard on not very good running backs. They would have okay defenses. And then that was good for about nine, you know, wins a season predictably going to lose to the good teams on their schedule, predictably going to beat the bad teams on their schedule. That was it. There was nothing really fascinating or interesting about them. Now I think they have some quality running backs. Donovan Edwards is still banged up. We don't really know what his status is going to be for the next game, but Blake Corum had five touchdowns against UConn. Um, They've got two wide receivers who are not amazing, you know, threats. I mean, neither of them like Ronnie Bell, you know, Saints real, like they're not going to, challenge guys downfield but they can really like they can get the ball and their yards after catch are incredible uh they can do some really you know interesting things some really tough things uh with the ball in their hands um and you've got a really dynamic quarterback so to me they're a really fascinating team to kind of watch just because you don't really know what you're going to get yet and and which guys are going to emerge as those consistent playmakers um they don't have a great schedule right now. People will make all their jokes and that's, I think warranted at this point, their schedule will improve as the season goes on. Um, but yeah, the, you know, playing Michigan state, that's going to be a huge one. Uh, what they're going to have to do obviously against Ohio state, but like that last month of their schedule uh, is going to be fascinating because you really don't know what they're going to look like. And if <laughs> the thing is, you know, when they had that, um, when they had that, I'll put competition in quotation marks between, you know, McCarthy and McNamara, but who's going to be the the starting quarterback. It was pretty obvious. I think from the, from the get go that JJ McCarthy was the presumptive winner of that, unless he's, you know, his hand exploded or something. Um, barring that uh, you really, it's, it just feels like it's kind of wide open uh, with that team. And um, I don't know if, if McCarthy goes down then that changes the dynamics a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways, because I don't know that McNamara can necessarily pick up that slack the way he does. Uh, and, and maybe they do have to lean on him a lot, but it's, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting evolution for that team. And uh, something Ohio state fans, I think really need to keep an eye on because that's going to be there. That's going to be their, you know, 
stumbling block that's going to be there as always um that's going to be their biggest hurdle to get over uh to the big 10 championship um and i i think a lot of ohio state fans have convinced themselves that maybe that's not the case sometimes but i i, I am here to say on september 19th that they need to watch out so that'll be it'll be cool it'll be cool to see how that plays out and you know all those things as we get into the uh the end of the season However, in the more immediate future, the last thing that I want to talk about, we've got 11 Dubgate X, uh, which is going to be benefiting the Olentangy Special Olympics. We want you to please join us for this incredible uh, charity tailgate that we do. It, it, we haven't been able to do it the past couple of years, and we're back. I'm really excited. It's one of my all-time favorite things that we do as a website. Um, it's going to get... The proceeds from the 11 day Dubgate are going to the Special Olympics Olentangy. Uh, it's going to be this Saturday, 924, leading up to the uh, kickoff against Wisconsin. So starting around three o'clock, be there, be square. We have um, some uh, some of the information on the website. And we'll also put it in the post here. Uh, but it's going to be behind the Varsity Club on the corner of Total Park Place and Norwich Avenue. If you're familiar with our uh, dub gates in the past it's pretty much the same spot it's always been um we're gonna have some great sponsors born brothers land grant bar car tony's tailgate party rentals dirty franks oh my gosh athletic brewing uh athletic brewing company sam adams it, it's going to be some really great stuff some really good times uh good people we'll be there if you want to talk to us and tell us how fantastic we are as human beings i always appreciate that um but yeah it's it's going to be a lot of fun and i don't garrick i don't think you've been to have you you have not been to a uh, uh 11 warriors tailgate before have you no i have not I, okay uh, this will be my first one but awesome uh, so i am very excited to to give you that experience you know, um, benefiting a special olympics is always really awesome i certainly appreciate it because my uncle is a three-time special olympics gold medalist that's right yes thank you okay i almost forgot about that can you tell that story a little bit how did that come to be um, I don't know if there's a whole lot of story to tell. I mean, um, you know, my uncle is, um, I don't know precisely what his disability is. So I'm just going to elegantly say he's mentally challenged in some facets of life. Um, okay. And, um, you know, he's always been extremely athletic. He was one of three brothers, uh, my dad obviously being one of them. And he was always the guy that uh, just dominated in every sport he ever played. Once he got, you know, some coaching and just uh, a little bit of patience from, you know, a lot of angels along the way. And he picked up snowshoeing <laughs> and, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting sport to uh, win a gold medal in, in the special Olympics community for sure. But um, yeah, I, I don't remember specifically the year he won. I do remember when I, it was like, I want you were to say saying it was in Japan, right? Yes, it was in Japan. Um, I want to say it was maybe 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Cause I hadn't finished high school yet. Yeah. Um, I was old enough to appreciate the significance of it, but maybe quite not old enough to really fully appreciate it. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no, like, uh, you know, uh, dad went and, uh, I, I didn't go because, you know, I uh, had to go to a stupid thing called school. But um, yeah, no, I just remember coming back and a lot of uh, news outlets in the Illinois area wanted to do uh, a lot of stories on him. And um, no, I just all I know, all I can tell you um, for those that are considering going or donating is that um, he wouldn't have been able to ha- get there without a lot of significant kind 
contributions from the community and from wonderful organizations and wonderful corporate sponsors that um, put these athletes in a position to where, you know, they're able to have a spotlight too, and they're able to compete on um, a recognizable platform and they wouldn't have those opportunities if it weren't for those, you know, savants of uh, human beings. So if you have the means, if you have the time, please feel free to come out to the tailgate. I'll shake the hand of each and every one of you and thank you for what you're doing. Um, if all you're doing is come to say hello, that's just fine. We appreciate the support. And if you are uh, able to donate any monetary donation, whether it be $5, $10, or maybe if you're Uncle Moneybags and want to pony up <laughs> more of that, um, certainly can't thank you enough for all you guys are doing. But yeah, uh, just know that uh, from a personal experience, it means the world to these athletes and uh, pretty great cause to get behind. Yeah, that's fantastic and an awesome story. And I agree wholeheartedly. It's, it's a really great organization. And um, uh, my mom had had worked with the Special Olympics down in Middletown for many years. And it's just a, an awesome event and really, you know, it's important for a lot of different communities. So I'm glad we're helping, you know, I'm not saying we're like a big sponsor or anything, but I'm, I'm glad we're helping uh, out in some capacity because I think it's a really worthy cause. And um, yeah, I'm excited about it. So come on down, see us, have a good time. Uh, if you're uh, JT Barrett's dad, you are more than welcome to uh, spill barbecue on me again. That would be great. So I would like to see you and then we can hang out and can do that. Um, so anyway, that is the 11 Dubcast. Thanks again to Garrett Codd for coming in, doing a fantastic job filling in for our good friend, Andy, who we'll see next week. Uh, but until next time, I'm Johnny. I, I guess I'm Garrett. Goodbye. You are Dan. Garrett. I'm, I'm still I'm still looking for uh, what baseball team is searching for the best pinch hitter available this offseason. Yeah, <laughs> they all are because it's the most important position in baseball. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.